You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Well, several months ago, I sat down uh, for dinner with a ministry friend. Uh, the restaurant was was almost empty, but but we had not eaten yet. And the conversation started off like any other conversation, just normal surface level uh, questions, normal catching up, just normal joking around. Um, I guess I, I really hadn't talked with him in over a, a decade, and I, I began to ask him about church life, and I asked him how the church was doing. I asked him what, what it's been like to be the pastor there for for so many years, um, and that's, that, that's when the conversation took a dark turn. Certainly there were good things that went on, but it had been years of disappointment. Constant petty complaints from men and women in the congregation, threats against his family, Rumors spread about his wife and children, leaders screaming at each other in church meetings, best friends in ministry walking away from the church, anger and manipulation and control and wickedness from men and women that said they were Christians, and my, my heart ached for him. Like knowing how, how humble and, and godly he is, knowing how much he's poured into that church, and I heard for him, for sure. Do you know what I thought of the entire time he was talking? I thought, I thought, here's what I would do if I were you. Here's how I, I would handle this. Here's how I would make this situation better. How easy it is to counsel someone else when it's not your mess, right? When someone unloads their problems on us and we often have a thousand answers we think are going to magically fix their problems, we tend to be excellent, unqualified counselors for everyone else. Some of that can be helpful. Most of it is not. So... If we're not great counselors to others and the suffering of their life, I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that we're not great at counseling ourselves in the middle of suffering. When life is unbelievably exhausting, when it seems like you can't ever get ahead, when weariness overtakes your soul, we just don't do a great job of, of counseling our own souls. So I want to show you a better way. I want, I want to show you a biblical way, a process of how and, and what to preach to yourself in the middle of the chaos in this life. So yeah, this is a message for weary souls. We're going to be in the Psalms today. Psalm 42 is where we'll start. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. If you have a bulletin, I believe it's all there. But before we start this study. Let's pray. Uh, 
God forgive us of the arrogance that we often have to think that we can fix everything else and everyone else. God forgive us for the poor counseling that I've given others. God, the the quick to speak, slow to listen. God, forgive us for trying to take things uh, into our own hands. God, forgive us for not being honest with who we really are. God, forgive us for not being great counselors to our own souls. And God, teach us from your word this morning um, how to do a, a way better job at it than we are right now. God, we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, we, we kick off our summer series that we technically started last summer. This series is called Sacred Exhortations. Sacred in that the Psalms mean praises and divine and supernatural and holy. And exhortations in that they urge us to repent and to pray and to praise and to see the, the beauty and the weight of God's glory. So th- this book, it's a collection of at least six different men writing poems over several centuries. And honestly, the biggest problem with the Psalms is not the nature, but the structure. Like, how do we read the Psalms? Is there any pattern in the Psalms? And most of us treat this book like it's a choose-your-own-adventure novel where we, we, we open the Psalms and we read some subheadings and then we just find and pick what we think uh, sounds interesting to us that day. So let me give us at least an elementary understanding of some of the structure to work from. If you were here last year, this is a recap, but the the Hebrew text divides the Psalms into five different books. Book 1, Psalm 1 through 41, that's what we did last summer. Book 2, Psalm 42 through 72. Book 3, 73 through 89. Book 4, 90 through 106. And book 5, 107 to 150. And some of that Uh, Some think that this book order reflects the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Old Testament. Certainly merit to that assumption. But if anything, the the first four books of the Psalms ends with a similar doxology. So each of the first four books ends with, May the Lord be praised. And then the fifth book ends with five hallelujah psalms, or simply, All of you praise Yahweh. So at the very least, we have a five-book division in the Hebrew in fact, this is the second summer series, so I'll only be picking psalms from book two, which means, if you figured things out, we've got three more years to go of this, and you're like, I don't really like this series. Well, I don't know. Uh, you might want to go on some more summer vacations. Um, don't know what to tell you. So why share all this? Like, Well, simply because submission to the Word needs context and clarity in the Word. Simply, it's helpful to know what we're studying before we study. So let's kick off book two today. We'll read chapters 42 and 43, since many of the Hebrew manuscripts uh, put them together. So Psalm 42. To the choir master, my skill of the sons of Korah, as a deer pants, For flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. And my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. 
while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How would go with the throng and, and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me, hoping God? For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God, and my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and, and of Hermon and of Mount Mazar, deep caused to deep. The roar of your waterfalls and all your breakers and waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? So why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me, hoping God? For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against the ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre of God, my God. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. How do I counsel my weary soul is the question I want to answer today from the Word. A question that must be answered because we're at all times weary. And I know church tends to be a place where people uh, kind of put up a front. They pretend like everything is good when it's not. They pretend like they can handle things when they cannot. And to be honest, I just, I don't want to lead a church like that. I don't want to lead a church full of men and women acting like their life is great when it's not. We have weary souls that need some serious counseling. So how should I counsel my weary soul? Let me give you a few points. Point one, confess your deepest of sufferings. Like other Psalms, we have this title uh, to this chapter that reveals the purpose and the author of the psalm, even before verse 1, we see it is a mascal, me meaning it's a genre of psalm that seeks to provide wisdom, or dare I say, counseling to the reader. So there's a total of 13 psalms with that kind of genre. Likewise, as a psalm from the sons of Korah, if you know your Old Testament well, the name sounds pretty familiar because the sons of Korah came from a group of Levite priests, and they were the ones that challenged and rebelled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Here's what happened to some of those guys. Number 16, starting in verse 31. And as soon as he had finished speaking to them, all these words, the ground under them split apart. And the earth opened its mouth and, and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. 
So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol. And the earth closed over them, and they perished in the midst of the assembly. And all Israel, who were around them, fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering the incense. A wild story in numbers. So the sons of Korah haven't, they've just not always been a solid lot. And yet there's a, there's a remnant, a, a, a faithful that remains, a faithful group that continue to serve the Lord and his temple, specifically through music. And so as we enter chapter 42, the sons of Korah have found themselves far from the temple of God. Simply, life has not been kind to them. Weary are the souls of God's people. And so the first exhortation that we see in these chapters is just a confession of the deepest of sufferings. Words, words that would make us uncomfortable in church. My tears have been my food day and night. Lord, deep calls to deep the roar of your waterfalls. Your breakers and waves are overwhelming. My enemies keep asking me, where is your God? Because honestly, it just doesn't feel like you're present. Soul, oh soul, why are you cast down? Why are you in turmoil within me? God is my rock, yet where are you? Where are you, God? Are you too busy for me? Have you forgotten me? God, how long are you going to let me mourn and suffer? God, I take refuge in you. So why have you rejected me? And if the words of the sons of Korah make you uncomfortable, good. Church, take off your mask. Quit playing games. The Lord is not oblivious or embarrassed by your honesty. So it's impossible, it's impossible to counsel anyone if they're not honest. Bear your soul to the Lord. Tell him what you're thinking. Tell him about your confession. Tell him how unfair it feels that the wicked prosper when you've been faithful all your life and your life still feels like a mess. Tell him. I mean, there will be no real counsel for your soul. There will be no healing. There will be no progress without honesty. It's a promise. Listen to the words of King David in Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. This, this pattern that we see in Scripture, it's not disrespect, not irreverence, not criticism, just honesty in your deepest of sufferings. Cast your burden upon the Lord. Not some cute little prayer with all the perfect verbiage. Tell him about the anxiety that makes you sick in your belly. When, when will things are going to get, when are, when are they going to get better? When will the enemy stop raging? 1 Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Confess your deepest of sufferings because he deeply cares for you. I mean, what a, what a just simple, profound reminder. 
He does not grow tired. He does not get sick of hearing of your suffering. He's, he's not distracted on his phone while you try to vent. He listens. He cares. He cares for you. He hears. So you want some counseling for that soul of yours. You got, you got to first be honest. Secondly, just as important, remind yourself of God's faithfulness. Most of you know, um, Corey and I, we struggled to have children for many years, and uh, many years of, of painful infertility and watching couples become parents when we long for that day and just that, that constant, nagging, weary burden in life. And you know what most people had to tell us during that season? God's got a plan. Everything happens for a reason. He's always in control. All of that's true. It really is. And none of it's helpful in the moment. So if you're telling people that in the middle of suffering, you should probably stop. Because it's not helpful to look at the unknown of the future. It's helpful to look back at the faithfulness of God in the past. So see what's going on here in chapters 42 and 43. Chapter 42, verse 4, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude of keeping festival. Those were the days. Those were better days. Those are sweet and kind and gentle days. It's not living in the past. It's telling your soul to remember it just wasn't always as bad. God has been faithful to you and your family decade after decade. Don't you remember the first time you heard the gospel? Don't you remember when you were baptized? Don't you remember when you first really studied the Word? Don't you remember when He felt so close to your heart? Don't you remember when you just felt overwhelmed in a worship service? Don't you remember your first love? Don't you remember, soul? Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of Old. It's not living in the past. It's remembering how faithful God has been in the past. There's over and over and over again. When your soul is weary, remember the Lord. It's, it's literally what's happening at the end of verse 5 of chapter 42. I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar, meaning he's far from this place of worship in Jerusalem. James Montgomery Boyce said of this verse, we know the chief thing that was bothering him. He was far from Jerusalem in its temple worship on Mount Zion. Therefore, he felt himself to be cut off from God. And yeah, it certainly feels that way sometimes. That God's so far away that you just feel cut off. Remember the Lord. Remember what he has done. It's even commanded in the Lord's Supper. It's not a coincidence that Tom literally brought that up this morning. 
1 Corinthians 11:24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So how many times I've walked into this church and my weary soul was blessed by communion? Not, not because of some juice or bread, but because I remembered what, what he has done for me. That Christ died for me, that Christ forgave me, that Christ took on God's wrath for me, that, that Christ gave me his righteousness, that Christ ushers in a new and a, a better covenant. So you want some counseling for that weary soul of yours? Remember. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember that it, always, it wasn't always this bad. Thirdly, just as important, preach to yourself hope in God. Last Sunday, uh, when service ended, I left the sanctuary, I walked to the welcome desk. There was a deacon and his wife present. There was Jenny. You didn't know I was calling you out this morning. Jenny our children's ministry director present, and I didn't give anyone a chance to talk. I just started to complain and vent about my sermon. It was a world-class pity party, and Jenny quickly looked at me. She said, Jason, have you been uh, preaching the gospel to yourself? And she asked me that because I've asked her that question before, and I didn't even answer. Um, I tried to make an excuse, change the subject, because I knew the answer was no. I mean, we do such a great job of preaching to everyone else, our coworkers, our, our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our family members. As Christians, it seems like we always have these little sermons prepared for everyone else, but do we preach to ourselves? Do we preach the gospel to our own souls? It's a kind of hopeful self-preaching that we see from the sons of Korah in both of these chapters. We actually see it three times. Why is my soul in turmoil? Well, hope in God. For again, I shall praise him. My salvation, my God. Why is, it, why is my soul in turmoil? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation, and my God. Yeah, but why is my soul in turmoil? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. No one talks to you more than you, so you might as well be preaching to yourself the right things. Paul Tripp, he put it like this, Every day you preach to yourself a gospel of your loneliness and ability and lack of resources, or you faithfully preach to yourself the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. kind of hopeful preaching our soul needs. Our, our world is just hoping things get better. But the Christian hope is not wishful thinking for a better future. It's holding fast to the promises of God that he is faithful, that he has proven he can be trusted. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. We preach the hope of God to ourselves over and over and over and over again. Preach the doxology of Jude to yourself over and over and over again. 
starting in verse 24 of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. So yeah, you want some counseling for that soul of yours, then preach. Preach to your own soul the hope that you have in God. Preach to your own soul the gospel of Christ Jesus. On Monday, my, my wife and I, uh, we took the kids to, to Pigeon Forge uh, just for the day, just a little quick getaway for family time. And I, I don't know um, if you've ever traveled any distance with small children, but it's not the most like relaxing experience of your life. And shockingly, the kids were just really good that day. Um, wasn't perfect, but they were really solid. And at the end of the day, uh, we're tracking on the radar this, this storm that's moving in to the area. And for most of the day, we had just avoided all rain, but this uh, yellow and red blob was coming our way, and so we quickly got into the car and we're pulling out of the parking lot and it just let loose. Rain was slamming into the car. My, my overdramatic self told my wife, like, I think we got struck by lightning. And the three kids in the back seat just kept asking uh, when the storm was over. And at one point, the rain was so heavy, you, you just could not see the road and the windshield wipers are full on all the way, just could not keep up. And it, it felt like it would never stop. There, there is, there's something exhausting about driving through a storm, especially when you have kids in the backseat that you're trying to keep safe. And guess what happened? I know this is going to blow everyone's mind when I say it. Um, as we were driving, the storm eventually stopped. It's pretty wild. <laughs> In the middle of it, when our souls are weary, when it feels like it won't ever end, when it's one thing after another, it's difficult to see what's in front of you, when there's tears, when there's turmoil, when there's serious questions about the presence of the Lord, when there's opposition, when it feels like not much more can be handled. The simple promise of the word for those in Christ is that weariness is just not going to last forever. So that's your summary point. Weariness will not last forever. That all storms have an end date and all weariness of the soul for those in Christ will pass. So confess your suffering. Remember his faithfulness. Preach his gospel to yourself. Hope in God of your salvation. We're going to praise the Lord now. And we'll praise the Lord again. And we'll praise the Lord forever. 1 Peter 5.10, and I'll stop. And after you have suffered a little while... The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together.
God, we are humbled to come before your word, to study your word. And God, I, I plead for honesty. How many men and women in this community are going to blow up their lives? To ruin themselves and everyone else around them because they refuse to be honest. God, we just don't want that for ourselves. We don't want that for this church. God, help us to be honest with the deepest of our sufferings, even the suffering that we have done to ourselves. God, we're thankful for the truth of your word. God, that, um, that all suffering will not last. We just continue to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over over again and so you call us home so god help us to be those kinds of christians and we pray these things in your son's name amen